Word of God with you today. Hold it up nice and high. Wonderful. If you've not already, turn to Luke chapter number 15. And as you're turning there, um, Brother Rick Cox reminded me this morning. Uh, I don't remember when it was, but a few messages ago, I opened the message by saying it was harvest time and there were some tomatoes out on the bench. And I said, well, this could go either way. Uh, If this is a bad message, you probably have tomatoes in your pocket ready to throw them. Well, he reminded me today there's apples out there, so it could be a little worse today. But hopefully none of you picked any up. You pick them up on the way out. Okay, so Luke chapter number 15. Hopefully you're there. How many could raise their hand and you could say, I have a favorite story or portion of Scripture? You have a favorite story in the Bible? Ten of us, some of us? Okay. I had a different one before this, and so I was studying this, and I think I could officially change this one to become my favorite story in God's Word. We're going to look at a parable, and we're first going to read the first few verses of Luke 15, but just to, by way of introduction, a parable really is, it's not necessarily something that actually happened, but a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, so Jesus often taught in parables, and he was teaching uh, with a story that really didn't happen, but he wanted to open their understanding through this story, and that's what we see here. So if you're able to stand, we're going to begin in Luke chapter number 15, verse number 1. Most of us are probably familiar with what's happening here. Uh, Really, this is one parable, but three stories. It begins by talking about lost sheep, then a lost coin, and then we go to what we know as the prodigal son or a lost son. But we're going to focus here on the third story, and it's really a story of great heartache and a story of exceeding joy. It's a story of love and a story of hatred. It's a story of pride and a story of humility. A story of sin and a story of forgiveness. It's a story of a certain man who had two sons, and the younger one went afar into a far country. And so let's begin by reading Luke chapter number 15, verse number 1. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, we'll pause right there. The title of the message is, Come Home. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this parable. We thank you for your truth uh, that is found in this story. I pray that you would help us for the next few minutes, Lord, to gain a deeper understanding of what it is you want to teach us. I pray that you would open our understanding and teach us your way. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to see you in and through this parable. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Have you ever had one of those moments when you're studying or reading through God's Word and you have what I call one of those aha moments? The Lord just reveals something to you in Scripture that you've never seen before. It may be a portion of Scripture that you've read a hundred times, but this one time you read through it and the Lord just opened your eyes, opened your understanding I had about four or five while I was studying this portion of Scripture. 
And there's so much in this parable, I can't spend the next 30 minutes telling you everything. So I've summarized it in what some say, three points in a poem. So let's first look at the younger son, or the son in the far country. Let's begin our reading in verse number 11. Verse number 11, the younger son. We first see that he was sick of home. Verse 11 says, And he said, that's Jesus, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portions of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. But notice verse 14. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have fain filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. I want to focus your attention here in verse number 14. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. You see, this younger son had decided in his own heart, basically, that his own father was dead to him. That's what he was saying when he went to his father and saying, Hey, let's pretend like you're already dead, and go ahead and give me what's mine coming in the future, what my inheritance is going to be. Basically, you're dead to me. I think I know what's best for me, and I'm going to go my own way. And as I was reading this, I was reminded we were out in the lobby after Pastor Ford Glover preached last week, and he himself said that he went into the Air Force because he was tired of the rules at home, tired of people telling him what to do. And you hear that story occasionally. But that's the story of this younger son. He was tired of living at home. He was sick of home. He was tired of the rules and all that his father had given him to do. He thought his way, his journey would be what's best for him. But as verse 14 said, he spent all and he began to be in want. When we choose our own way, there will come a day when we'll have spent all that we have and we will be in want. The world and sin will always leave you empty. They may have the flashing lights and the bells and the whistles and all that, but there will come a day when you will remain empty. You will once again, feel that emptiness inside of you. The world will always leave you in want, leave you empty. It may be pleasurable for a season, but the day's coming that you too will be in want. So we see that the younger son was sick of home, but look at verse number 17. Now we see that he's homesick. Verse number 17, Jesus says, And when he came to himself, that's pretty important, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He said, I'm empty, I perish with hunger. All he had to eat was the no value of the corn husks that the swine did eat. But God has said He will give us the bread of life. When we feed on God and His Word, He always satisfies, gives us uh, more than we can ever imagine. But the younger son was now homesick, 
he was in want. He was hungry. He realized his need. He came to himself. His return was empty, but his repentance was real. The first few times I read through this, I didn't catch it. But I want you to look back at verse number 12. Look at verse number 12. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, what are those two words? Give me. Now jump down to verse number 19. Notice how his attitude has changed after he has repented and come back. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. What's his words? Make me. When he was leaving, when he was sick of home, he was leaving home saying, give me, give me, give me. And that's the attitude of each and every person that rejects God. They may seek God out for a time being, but it's primarily meet my needs. I'm going through this struggle. What can you do for me? What can you give me? But he realized it left him empty. And he returned back home to the Father after he was homesick, fully with a repentant heart, and his attitude changed from give me to make me. And that there is true repentance. When you turn from your way and turn to God's way. Not give me, give me, give me what God can you do for me, but now what God can I do for you. Make me into what you would have me to be. I surrender all. So we see this younger son in the far country was sick of home. He was homesick, and then now... He's coming back home. Look at verse number 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And this verse alone is a very beautiful picture here in this parable. There are many great truths just from this verse. But towards the end, it says he fell on his neck and kissed him. And to fully study out that word, we get the picture of it. It wasn't just one single kiss, but he kissed him all over. Many kisses. But he came to his mind and returned to his father. He didn't go all the way. When he was a great way off, his father saw him. The father was watching and waiting. I can imagine the father working day in and day out, looking over his shoulder back at that hill to see if his son was crossing over. And that day came when eventually he crossed over that hill. And his father's eyes locked eyes with his youngest son's eyes. And he ran to him. He had compassion for him. He was watching and waiting and had compassion. He didn't run up to him and say, I told you so. Why didn't you listen to me? But he had forgiveness on his mind. The beautiful thing about this verse here is do you recall where he came from? He was in the pig slops. Uh, he was around the pigs in their dirt and their filth. Uh, a job that wouldn't have been for a, a Jewish boy. Uh, a job that would have been dirty, filthy, nasty. All that he had left that he had spent his living with and on was now marred, probably was tattered, had holes in it. And he's returning to the Father, and the Father sees him afar off, and he runs to him and falls on him in his filth. In his nastiness, disgust, probably smelled. He probably smelled him from home. Maybe that was the first reason that caused him to turn his eyes and see. <laughs> but he fell on him. The, the filth did not keep him from being compassionately affectionate toward him and kissing him. And that's you and that's myself. Sometimes we get the idea that, 
well, I can't go to church because I'm not a good enough person. Or I can't ask for forgiveness because uh, I still have filth in my heart. I still struggle with the flesh. But God receives us in our filth. He ran and fell on him. He did not have to get clean and then go to the Father, just like we don't have to get well and then go to the doctor. We go to the doctor because we need fixed. We have an ailment. We want to see what's going on. And this youngest son came to himself, realized his need, came back in his filth, and out of compassion, the Father loved him anyway. He came back and found the Father's forgiveness. I remember the day that I got saved. I can't tell you the date. Uh, I could take you to the exact room where I was if they've not remodeled and it's changed yet. But it was in a little town called Coryton, Tennessee at Coryton Baptist Church. I was a young teen and I was gone away on a youth trip and I heard the messages all that week. And little by little, the Lord began working on my heart. And I remember specifically a message that I felt like the Lord was speaking to me directly, that nobody else was around me. But I was 100% an introvert. I didn't stand up that day and go forward or talk to anybody about what I was dealing with until I returned back from the youth trip. And I talked to my mom. She, being a fairly new Christian herself, didn't know uh, what to do or how to lead me through the Scripture to show me the way of salvation. She, sh she felt more confident in taking me back to my youth leader, and that's what she did. So she took me back to the church, and I met in the office of my youth leader, Kemp Wynn, and he sat across the desk from me and opened God's Word and showed me through Scripture how I know that I'm a sinner and that how I can know that heaven could be my home. And that was one of the greatest days of my life, my day of salvation. But after that day, I remember times in my life where I wasn't living for the Lord. I myself went into a far country. I strayed away from the Father. I was sick of home, and it didn't take long until I became homesick. But there were certain days in my life that I remember I was trying to fulfill some emptiness inside of me. Yes, I was saved, but I was not attending church. I was not living for the Lord. I was not reading God's Word and praying. I was empty inside. I was longing for that relationship with Christ. And I tried to fulfill that emptiness inside of me with things. I tried to fill it with, well, I remember the first time I got a motorcycle. I believe I was in the ninth grade, and my parents had gotten it for me because I made good grades. But... Since that moment, I got joy and happiness out of riding that motorcycle. But the time came when it was old and boring, and so I sold it and got a four-wheeler. I thought, that'll fix it, something new. Had a four-wheeler a while. That didn't last long. I was tired of it. It was bored. It wasn't giving me the happiness, the longing I was needing. And back and forth, I probably owned three motorcycles and two four-wheelers and a jet ski. I mean, it, a Mustang was in there. It was nonsense. But as time went on, I was trying to fulfill this, this longing, this emptiness, this desire in my heart with things. And it provided happiness for a season. It was there for a little while, but it didn't, didn't take long, and it was gone. Later on, fast forward in life, I'm married now. I didn't learn my lesson the first time. I had to repeat all of it again. My grandfather had passed away, and we inherited the home and he had 11 acres with the house. And so he had fence, he had gardens and animals when he was alive. And so I thought, I'm going to be like my grandfather and I'm going to have some animals as well. I'm going to grow a garden. 
At first, it started with a few chickens, and that was fun. It was neat, learning about the chickens, feeding them. You know, I thought I was a man. I'm going to have a farm. Well, the chickens, after a while, became old and boring, and then, then I got some pigs and some cows and a donkey and honeybees and on and on and on. I was trying to f- fulfill that emptiness inside of me with something that would never satisfy my longing soul. It had to be Christ, and that is exactly why the younger son reminds me of myself. I thought I could do it my own way, I'd make my own decisions, but it left me in want. It left me empty. Only God can satisfy that emptiness inside of us. Things leave us empty, but when you boil it all down, we're really seeking happiness. People may go after all the money in the world, and they may attain it for a time being. They may be happy for a season, but the the day will come when that money no longer gives them happiness. People may reach out to different things to fulfill that longing inside their heart, but the thing they need most is Christ. He is the real joy giver. So look at verse number 22. Luke 15, verse number 22, But the Father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. Notice the father was always giving. When the son was leaving, he gave him his inheritance. And when he came back, the father was giving yet again. Verse 24, For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. He has passed from death unto life. But notice these last few words. And they began to be what? Mary. He had finally attained happiness. The thing he was ultimately looking for. He thought he could go into the far country and find happiness. But what he really sought all along was at home where he began. And they began to be Mary. Psalm 1611 says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. We need God. He gives joy unspeakable and full of glory. So firstly, we see the younger son in the far country. Now let's look at the older son, the son in the field. Look at verse number 25. Now his elder son was in the field. And he came and drew nigh to the house. He heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he, the servant, said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. Notice verse 29. This is the son of self-righteousness, the son with pride in his heart. Notice all the words here in verse 29. And he, answering, said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, Thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. This was the older son, the son in the field, the son that was full of himself and pride and arrogance. But notice verse 31. And he said unto him, 
Son, thou art ever with me. You see, this son might have been in the field, but his heart was in the far country. He too, just like the younger son who left home and went into the far country, was not satisfied with the presence of the father. The father told him, son, thou art ever with me. You've been here the whole time. I am with you. That should make you merry. That should give you enough joy unspeakable and full of glory. Though he was physically in the field, his heart was in a far country. There came a day, just as Jesus is teaching here, the Pharisees and the scribes, where Jesus told them, You honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. I've heard a few people say now, as I've reared children, that you have to get their heart at an early age. If you're going to teach them the ways of God, it has to be real. You have to have their heart. Pastor has said many times, nobody cares what you know until they know that you care. And that's very true. The father did not have his son's heart. He was in his present presence, but his heart was far from him. But also notice that the father never forced fellowship with either son. He allowed the younger son to leave. And when this older son was bitter and full of pride, he never forced him into the house. But the father, just like he ran to the younger son, came out to the older son. And so I ask, does the father have our heart? Is our heart with the father and in his presence, or is our heart in a far country? Turn back to verse 1. I want to remind you here of the context. The context is very important when looking at portions of Scripture. But really, he's talking to two groups of people. And this certain man had two sons. Verse number 1, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. A publican was a tax collector, somebody who was not well-received. The people didn't like them. As a matter of fact, if you were to turn a few pages over to Luke 19, you would see the chief of publicans, Zacchaeus. People didn't like the publicans. They obtained their wealth by greedy manner, by being dishonest. But he was speaking to the publicans and sinners. We understand what a sinner is. That is very much related to the younger son. The younger son thought, I'm going to go and with my inheritance, my gain, my wealth, my finances, spend it on what I want to, with riotous living in a far country, and as his older brother said, with harlots and all those many things. It was his way above the father's way, with his wealth, his finances, his gain. So we see the comparison of the publicans and sinners to the younger son, and then in verse number 2, we see, and the Pharisees and scribes, Murmured. We see the comparison of the Pharisees and scribes. The Pharisee would have been somebody who had um, held to the standards or tradition or law. They would have done the right things and said the right things, but their heart would have been far from him. And the scribes, people who would have been students of the Word, who would uh, have studied Scripture and been able to taught, have copied Scripture. So we see people who would have followed the Lord in action and maybe even in words, but their heart was not where it ought to be. And that is the evidence of the older son. He was at home with the father, but his heart was far from him. Turn to John chapter number 14. John chapter number 14. I'm going to read this poem as you turn there. I told you I have three points in a poem. 
We've only been through two points, but I wanted to save the last point for last. John chapter number 14, after I read this poem, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. But listen to this poem, it's nothing I put together, but it is the story of the prodigal son, alliterated in F. And I'm going to read it slow so you can understand and comprehend, and so that I don't mess it up. The story of the prodigal son. Feeling footloose and fancy free, a feather-brained fellow faced his fond father, a formidable figure to find a fast way to get his father to fork over the family finances. He then fled afar the farm to foreign fields and fretted his fortune, feasting favishly and following fun and foolishness with his faithless friends. Fearful, forlorn, and for sure forsaken by fake friends, since folly had finished his finances, he found a foreign fellow, who forced him to be a feed-flinger of filthy swine in a farmyard. Finally, he said, My father's flunkies are fed far more food than I find, and fare far fancier. So finally, forsaking fake friends and folly, he for sure fled that farm for the finest, fond, faithful father. And he said, Father, I flunked. I foolishly flunked away my fortune and forfeited the family's favor. Furthermore, that fine, fair father fell on his fuzzy neck and with an affectionate kiss on his face said, Fit his filthy feet with the finest and find the best thing for his finger and fast. Fetch the fatted fatling from feeding. We shall all feed and frolic frivolously to fill more. For the fine, fair son, though he followed the folly of flesh and did fail, did forsake to come forward and is now free from his fetters, found and forgiven. I love that when I read it, but it's such a, a powerful parable, such a great illustration of where are we in comparison to the Father? Are we physically away from the Father and completely rejecting God, or are we going through the motions like the older son? Are we dressing up for church and saying all the right things, carrying a Bible under our arm, and yet our hearts are far from Him? So we looked at the younger son, we looked at the older son, but truthfully, there's a third son here in this story. In verse number 2, it said, This man receiveth sinners, and he spake. The third son in this story is the Son of God. The son that is speaking. He's the son telling the parable. He's the son that never broke his father's heart. He's the son that always obeyed his father. He's the son who always had the heart of his father. He's the son that said, Suffer the little children to come unto me. He's the son that said, He that comes to me I will in no wise cast out. He's the son that said, Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's the Son who came to seek and to save that which was lost. He's the Son who made it possible for the younger Son to come back to the Father, the mediator between God and man. Look at John 14. 
Verse number 1. Jesus speaking says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believed in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Verse number 5, Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? But look at verse number 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He's the Son who is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the Son who died on the cross for our sins. He's the Son that built a bridge from heaven to earth so that we could come home to the Father. He's the Son that is calling out this morning for you to come home. You don't have to get cleaned up first before you come. You can come in your sin. You can come in your filth. You can come just as you are. He will receive you as you are. We sing the song, Just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot. To thee, who, to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God, I come. Will you come to Him this morning? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for including this parable in Your Word. Lord, we thank You for the privilege to be able to read and understand this parable. Lord, I pray that Your Holy Spirit would make the application to hearts and lives. May Your truth resonate to each and every person here. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask a question, then we'll close in prayer. If you're here this morning and you're not sure that you have ever come to the Father and found forgiveness, you would say, I believe I'm in a far country and if I was to perish in my sins in this far country, I don't know if heaven would be my home. I'm not sure if I'm going to hell or heaven, but I want heaven to be my home. If that's you, would you just simply raise your hand? Nobody's looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you say, I don't know 100% sure if heaven is my home, just simply raise your hand. Very good. Maybe you're here this morning and you would say, I've been doing all the right things. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm seeking God, but I feel my heart is far from Him. He doesn't have my heart. Or maybe you would say, I do have good fellowship with the Father. He has my heart, but I know somebody who's in a far country. Well, then we have some praying to do. The altar is going to be available if you need it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for making it possible that we could obtain eternal life. We thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, paying our sins on the cross of Calvary. Help us to gladly receive Him. Help us to examine our hearts and lives and make sure 
that we are in true fellowship with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.